Welcome to Australian Hunger. I am your host, Ben. On today's show, I'm going to interview with Jen from Define Ascension. Their new album, The Uncovering, is out now. Really, really cool stuff. I'm not necessarily attracted in general to bands in this kind of category, which uh, they're not specifically symphonic metal, but I think they definitely draw heavily from that genre. But when bands do it well, like uh, Divine Ascension, like Epica as well, I don't think it matters whether you like the genre or not, or you like the, some of the particular trappings of the genre. If it's done well, it's done well, and Divine essentially definitely do their music well. Before I get to that, I want to talk a little bit about, in the way I always do, talk a little bit around an incident that happened a couple of days ago. So, Bring Me the Horizon had a show, and a fan died. There's been a lot of speculation about whether it was a fault of security, but there has been no cause of death, so I think me commenting on that doesn't actually help anything um and yeah it would be a bit irresponsible given that no one really knows anything at this stage what i do find interesting regarding the idea of danger and a live show is that there is a certain category of people who always like to comment that people should toughen up people should you know get over it it's a heavy metal show it's supposed to be rough but i think this really puts it in perspective that you know, uh, for most shows, no one's going to get really hurt, no one's going to die. But there's always a risk. There's always a risk when you're getting lots of people in a particular venue and there's some sort of movement going on. There's a risk, and I, that really needs to be taken seriously. And whether you fall in the vibe of heavy metal shows should be a quiet affair with people enjoying somberly or people should be out there and rough and tumbling... It should be stressed that there's danger, and I don't think people should just paper over that by saying, oh, it's, it's you know, it's how it is, that's part of a metal show, get over it. No, like, there's actual danger, and people should really take that seriously. And I think even if you want to be in a mosh and be moshing quite hard, there's nothing wrong with taking the element of safety seriously. Like you can still have a great show and ensure that you're not behaving dangerously, that you're not putting yourself or anyone else at risk. It may take a slight amount of spontaneity out of the whole thing, but to emphasize, the people's lives can be at stake sometimes. And a metal show just isn't worth like dying over. You know, it, it can be really, really transformative events in people's lives. Really, really, really meaningful experiences. But that means nothing if people get seriously hurt. And I think, you know, there's an ongoing conversation about where that line should be drawn. But fundamentally, safety really needs to be taken into account. Now, the interview. I talked to Jen just earlier this evening, actually. I think this is possibly my quickest turnaround of an interview to date. Really, really enjoyed the album, um, The Uncovering, and we talked a little bit about the album, and also her really interesting background. So she comes from a non-metal background, a, a classically trained singer, um, learned jazz, piano, all that stuff. It's really interesting to talk to someone who enjoys the genre, is part of the genre, but also has experiences outside of it. Hasn't just been a metal loyalist for life. Songs played during the interview. The first one is Pursuit of Desire. The second one is Vultures. And at the end, we have Evermore. This is Jen Borg from Divine Ascension. This album, when did you guys start working on it? Ah, uh, well, good question. I, I think it's it's hard to remember. I think it would have been just before we um, headed off around Australia promoting uh, our second album, Liberator. So 
I think for me it was, um, you know, it really started there. All the ideas and everything were starting to come together before we really had even toured the second album. Um, it was just kind of like a constant creative process for me. Um, but a lot of the ideas didn't actually really come into fruition or become anything recognisable of what it is today until uh, probably like early 2016. Um, and that's when we started actually, you know, kind of putting together what is the uncovering now. Um, but, yeah, it, it always starts from like a few different little ideas here and there and lyrical ideas and melodic ideas and guitar riffs and then we just piece everything together and, um, yeah, see what happens. <laughs> the thing about that that always interests me is it kind of seems like with a lot of bands it's kind of this, this, this forward momentum, like there's obviously going to be a next album. But going into that, do you have any intentions? Do you have any specific things you want to achieve, things that you want to, I don't know, perhaps do better or do differently than you did in the previous album? I think there's always um, room for improvement and progression. I think like our progression, ha-ha, pardon the pun, um, <laughs> it's a progressive album. Um it's a progressive career, I suppose. It's like you're always learning. You, you want to, um, for me, I want to um, achieve more. I want to do it better. I want to learn more. I want to, um, you know, kind of learn off other people doing awesome, cool stuff, you know. Um, listen, learn, progress and create and, yeah, continuously move forward. I think it, it gives you a sense of drive, a sense of achievement and um, it's hard in today's music industry, I suppose, because you're not necessarily um, getting, uh, you know, a lot of financial uh, compensation for what you love to do. It's really hard to live off music. Um, and so it really is a love-driven thing. Um, and so you've got to keep that kind of love in the music and in what you do um, and get a sense of achievement out of it. So I think, yeah, actually pushing forward and keeping on getting something really amazing out of what you're doing is, is the only way through, really. With all kind of hobbies that kind of go forward into some sort of more serious pursuit, it is definite times or definite aspects which aren't as pleasant as some of the others. What, what is it that for you that balances out some of the less pleasant aspects? That, that you that really draws you and that, that you enjoy I think um, well it that's a really interesting question because I suppose when you start out as a band like I can go pretty much on my own experience from starting out with divine ascension and the and what it is today as what it was when we first started years and years ago um like years and years ago we would just get together every week we would jam we'd be playing music we really kind of learn each other's musical style it's very different to what we do now and today um and so in that sense today um when we when we create our music and then we kind of market it and we create shows and then we've got to get our merchandise ready um you know plan tours find people that we want to work with get artists sorted, it kind of almost becomes a little bit of a business in that sense, whereas when you first start out, it's kind of like a hobby. You're rocking up to rehearsal, you're stuffing around on other people's instruments and having fun, you know. 
Um, but it's very much, you know, kind of let's get down to business and, and get this stuff done that we have to get done for our album. Um, I don't actually find any particular part less enjoyable than another. Um, but what I find about our band in particular is we all chip in and get the job done. So if there is a particular task that um, one person may not be so great at, then there's generally someone else in our band that is better at it um, and they put their hand up to do that task. So I think it's um, we don't really have like a leader or, as such, you know, that, that pushes out all of those different tasks and says, hey, Benjamin, you have to do this task. Um, it's like we just share it and we all chip in and do our bit and um, it works well, I think. And it makes when you've got other people, when you've got support, I think it, nothing is too hard, if that makes sense. <laughs> mm, no, definitely, definitely. Um, in terms of you guys of interacting as a group musically, how do you guys go about, maybe in reference to this album more specifically, how do you guys go about writing the music between you? Um, it's a bit of a uh, process in the cloud, actually, for us. Um, we don't uh, – for this el- – you're talking about this album in specific or more like in general over the years. It's very different from album to album. Um, let's let's uh, for this album um i think it was more we had a like a a cloud like a a drive where we could put all of our ideas um and we would literally all just have access to this drive and just load in lots of ideas and music and we kept it really organized would listen through every one's ideas and pick at ideas like grab something and go oh I want to work on that and so we just kind of built ideas through collaboration um, rather than getting together and jamming because we found that when we were jamming we would jam for hours record it and get maybe a little idea out of that and we would all travel a very long way to get to each other to do that jam and it, it kind of, we're kind of in a different place now, I suppose. We've all got families and, um, you know, work and all that kind of stuff and we want to try and fit everything in. And so for it to be sustainable, um, yeah, we just like literally, if we thought we were onto something good, we'd send a message out and go, hey, guys, check this out. You know, I've got, I've called this track, track number one and, you know, see what you think. If you can add to it, go for it. So it's just like giving everyone the ability to pull whatever they want apart or do whatever they want with whatever you've created, trusting that that is okay as well. (laughs) It's fascinating because it's very much about like these very different, like this continuation, you know, that most of the members, the sort of core members that have been there for uh, you know, since the band's inception, and you've been, you know, you've been going. You're still interested in playing this, you know, the same music. Yet there's this definite sort of transition in the band. You know, just because the band kind of develops on the, on its own inertia, and also the kind of material conditions in your life. I don't know this is kind of uh, maybe a bit too hypothetical, but like, which 
is the preferable state like to be uh, younger and more carefree and um, not uh, as maybe structured or to have that kind of more structured approach to the to the band well I think if, if it's asking in general like you know if you're saying okay well what's the ultimate way to keep a band together and to make stuff work um, you can just say okay well I think it's really down to each individual group um, we find that this works for us now at the moment um, but maybe you know if you're kind of a young gun band coming into the industry and you want to find your feet and you want to find your style and you want to find your thing, your passion, you want to work out whether it's working together, you know, like maybe you need to be in the studio every week and you need to be recording each other and you need to be working in each other's pockets. But um, I think also as as you work through all of these different things like, you know, like you write music or you perform a lot more or whatever, you kind of find your feet. You find where you fit in. You find where um, where you want to be um, and it just becomes a different process, I suppose. Um, I think pr- we've progressed quite naturally, like, um, you know, from that kind of young, you know, young group together you know, getting to know each other and getting to know how we, what we wanted to create and how we, what, what we wanted to play um, through to jamming a lot, through to writing at each other's houses, through to now actually being able to email us an idea through to somebody and say, hey, I know that you can make this work. This is for you, you know, like, so, yeah, I, I think it's, um, there's no particular preference. I think it's really like, yeah, it, it comes down to each individual group and what it takes to stay together to make it work to, you know. I suppose also if we had a band member that particularly needed that, if we had a band member that said, hey, I need to see you guys every week, like this is my sanity, this is how we work together, this is how we make it work, then, yeah, we might do things differently. But for now this is working for us. One thing that kind of stuck out to me about the album in particular was the keyboards. I, I think, and you know, obviously, correct me if I'm misinterpreting this, they had more of a symphonic approach in previous albums, whereas in this one there's very much an electronic approach, more of a... I, I don't know how to describe the specific sound, but like more stuff that you'd hear in more kind of electronic music. Um, wh- where did that kind of approach come from? Uh, come from from this album? Um, well, we're a four piece, so uh, we don't actually have a keyboard player. Um, but when we were writing a lot of this stuff, we did have a keyboard player for a little while. Um, so going into actually recording. Um, the keyboards were written by uh, myself, uh, the guitarist Carl Inski, and um, Jason as well, the bass player. Um, so I think also um, it's different because it's it wasn't jammed, if that makes sense. Like we had the sen- we had the sense of everything else together, and we just created the ambience that we wanted with the keys we don't really have an intention to have a 
keyboard player live, I don't think, and not at this stage anyway. Um, so, yeah, I suppose in becoming a four-piece, we knew what we wanted to do and we knew how we wanted to move forward and we knew we still wanted to complete the album, um, even though parting ways with our keyboard player. So we just did what we had to do and created the keys. So in that different sound that you hear, it's probably just different influences. It's it's three um, three people, myself, Carl and Jason, kind of um, putting all our ideas and influences together um, rather than having one person necessarily in control of what happens with the keyboards. Getting more around to the recording and you sort of specifically recording the the the, the vocals for the album, something really fascinating that you did was you were doing some Facebook Lives of those sessions. When, when did you decide to take that approach? Um, I, th- <laughs> I saw someone do a live video on Facebook and I was like, oh, my gosh, that, that's really nerve-wracking. I just I thought it would be very, very nerve-wracking to do a live video, even just going onto Facebook and and talking, you know, live on Facebook. And then I was thinking about it more and I was like, well, it's actually no more nerve-wracking than getting up in front of thousands of people and singing, isn't it? <laughs> you know, like I was just trying to I was trying to find where I fitted in in this kind of new age thing, I suppose. And um, I was like, well, maybe I am really nervous to do something like this, but maybe it also would be a very interesting experience to involve. I, I don't really know like what I was trying to get out of it or what I just thought it would be a little bit challenging um, add an add an extra step when you go into the studio with already pressure to complete something and then stream it live and see what it feels like, <laughs> you know? Like I think it's my sense of um, setting myself a challenge to see, you know, if I you know, if I perform better under that stress of being streamed live on Facebook or if I perform better not being under the public eye. Or if there was anyone, you know, that would give feedback while I was actually singing, like I'm constantly looking for that, you know, did that work? Does that sound okay? Should we do this? Should we do that? And I'm always asking of this, of the engineer that I'm working with or of my bandmates. So I thought, well, maybe if we say this, hey, like, guys, I'm here, I'm recording live, what do you think? Do you think it worked? Was it okay? Does it sound okay? So... I think there's a few different elements in there, bit of a challenge and also seeing if people would want to interact with that stuff. We're still in those kind of, you know, minute phases of like, you know, live videos on Facebook and people are kind of not quite sure. They're like, oh, is this a live video? Are you actually in the studio now? Or, you know, is this just something you recorded and you're posting? So... There was a lot of that kind of reaction as well, like, oh, are you actually doing this right now? Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, I just think it was interesting. No, it was pretty incredible, especially because I, I imagine there's definitely a lot of footage out there of people uh, laying down the live on their vocals, instruments, all that kind of stuff. But for me, you know, I've gone out in there and actively looked for it, and it was just 
really interesting because it shows you there's still a little bit of wiggle room in the studio that you're still kind of considering, hey, does this work? Does that work? It's not like you're everything's absolutely set in concrete at that stage, which I think a lot of people would perhaps think that it is, that you're just going there and just rattling out what you've already pre-planned. But there's kind of some little minute stuff that gets changed in the studio. Um, talk, talk a little bit about that kind of experience, what it's like to be in the studio, um, singing for a couple of hours, you know, just just that general um, environment. Um, I love it. So I, I kind of love that. The studio for me is one of the most amazing places to be when you're recording your album, when you get up to that point. Um, it's just, I think also with any kind of major event in anyone's life, there's you know, there's kind of a little bit of a lead up or a little bit of a self-expectation as to what, how you're going to perform when you actually get into the studio, you know, like you maybe a bit of self-doubt or whatever. Am I going to be okay? Am I going to do what I actually want to do? Am I capable of it? You know? Um, so for me, all of those things leading up to the studio um, are a massive battle, you know, like um, part of the reason why I did the live video was, you know, to kind of, you prove to myself that everything's okay and that I can do this, you know. Um, going into the studio, um, I was prepared. I did know what I wanted to do, but um, I love the creative aspect of being in the studio. There's a lot of other things in my life that are very, you know, rudimental. I have to do it this way. I have It's set in stone, you know, like, um, but with music, you know, I also love that sense that anything can happen, you know, and um, the studio is a very good place to do it because it's it's not really great to surprise your bandmates on stage with doing something random because that could um, freak them out on stage or put them off. But the studio is a really great place to experiment with stuff um, and to really be creative in the moment. Um, and give it that one final creative hit to see what happens. Um, and then, you know, it sometimes even changes again after that. You know, when it goes into into mixing, it becomes something different again. It becomes a different monster. So, um, yeah, I love it. Studio is amazing. Highly recommend it. And I think it's, you know, it's nice to be able to share that with people as well, to go this is what it's like, this is what, you know, the experience is like when, when we step into the studio. Um, so stepping back from that ever so slightly, what do you do to prepare on the day that you're going to go track um, some of the vocals for the album? Um, well, I kind of like to strip back the rest of my life. So um, if I'm preparing to go in for vocals, say, in a week's time, um, I maybe prepare quite far ahead with my other work or with other things that I have to do in my life. So get all my other work out the way so that my sole focus in the week that I go into the studio is just the studio. So I don't, I mean, you can't always, there's other things that come in in life that, you know, come sideways at you. You can't always prepare for everything. Um, but I like to, I like to prepare down to the, you know, down to the what am I taking into the studio to eat <laughs> and prepare and make sure I have lots of sleep, make sure 
that I'm eating well, that I'm really healthy so that I'm able to get everything out of my voice that I want to get out of my voice by making sure I'm well rested. So that's really important for me. It's different for everyone, I think. Um, you know, I, you, you might see some singers on stage, you know, they might skull like three bottles of wine and still be sweet, you know, like and they can they can rip out those notes and stuff. But um, I think I, yeah, I like to have very high expectations and try and meet those expectations. So the only way that I can do that is is to be in really great health. Yeah. Another aspect of the vocals, obviously, is the the words you're singing. How do you go about approaching writing those lyrics to 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 fit the music that you've been making? Um, it's a bit vice versa. So sometimes um, the lyrics are there, and then um, the music gets created around it. Or mm. um, sometimes parts of the lyrics are done, and then you know, then we go back and readdress it later. Um, but generally for me, it's more about a feeling. So, um, I'll get kind of a feeling from a riff or a half finished song or even sometimes a finished instrumental piece. Um, and then I'll just say, okay, this feels like, and the feeling could be like, I don't know, a color, or it could be like a, a sad feeling or a hopeful feeling or a science fiction feeling or whatever, you know, like. I'll just create some kind of story in my head from what that music is um, and, yeah, and then just build stuff from there. So um, the the lyrics are a very important part for me. Um, they I spend a lot of time on them and if I can't get them right, I don't force it, I leave it and then I go back to it. So, um, yeah. Uh, it's 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 hard it's not anything specific like with the lyrics I just like to um listen to the music sometimes I sing while I do it or sometimes I write the melodies at the same time while I'm writing the lyrics um but yeah often it's a little bit of everything all at once there's one track on the album uh, the pursuit of desire which features Evergrey's Tom England how did that come about um, it was from the actual piece itself. So um, it was one of the final pieces to get uh, finished. Um, sometimes I suppose like in anything, like you just hit a roadblock and that song I hit a roadblock in. I couldn't um, finish it the way that I wanted to finish it, you know, like it wasn't, it just wasn't, wasn't doing it for me, <laughs> you know, like I was, trying all different things and then all of a sudden this vocal that I did was like this feels like it should be a duet, you know, like I felt like I was performing it where I was kind of singing in quite two different styles. Um, the lyrics became kind of like two people talking and then I was like, well, hang on, this I think this should be a duet. Um, and to check, I uh, said, to Jason, the bass player, you have to come over. I need you to record some male vocals for me. I've got them ready, but I just need to see if this is going to work. Um, so he came over and, um, you know, put his own spin on it. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. You have to do it. And he's like, I'm not singing in this song. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Jason, come on. And so that's how it came about. So 
I was I was trying to get Jason to sing it, and um, he was like, no. Nah. <laughs> so I'm like, well, well, who's going to do it then? So, uh, you know, we started just talking about who would fit the vocal line, and Tom was actually the first name that came up that we wanted to contact, so we contacted him, and he said, sure, I'll have a listen, and then I'll let you know. So he had listened to what I'd recorded, and he goes, yep, no worries. I'll do that one. So, yeah. And then he sent back the vocal. I was like, oh, this is cool. This is working now. So it was a bit of a progression of stuff not working, then trying to get Jason to do it, and he wouldn't. So, yeah, we were like, oh, okay, cool. Let's um, see if we can get a different vocalist. So I think it turned out really good in the end. <laughs>
this sort of broad category of music is that instead of just having like a featured vocalist who will do a couple of lines, there, there's 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 back and forth between you two, and then there's the the um, melody in the in the chorus, and it, it just kind of it brings something better together rather than just putting someone in just for the sake of putting them in. It, it's actually it means that there's a reason for it to actually be there. There's a reason for there to be the two two sets of vocalists. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, well, when it, the song started actually working, because I didn't think it was working just with my vocals, um, and when the song started working, I, I just kind of felt like it was um, not – it, I, I don't know about what everyone else thinks or what everyone else gets from it, but it wasn't ever intended as a male-female relationship love duet um, or it was. it's more intended as two minds coming together and maybe like uh, oh, kind of giving advice to someone, I suppose, like chase the passion, feel the fire, you know, like two two people that are kind of, in agreement of giving the same advice to somebody. Um, that's that's where that kind of comes from, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, I don't know whether um, some everyone gets something different out of it, um, but hopefully everyone can get their own ideas from it rather than taking what I say, <laughs> what I say it was written about. The album's mixed and mastered by Jen de Bogren, uh, who also did Liberator, why don't you guys want to return to him and have him mix and master it uh, the same as the previous album? Ah, oh, it was a no-brainer. It was absolutely no-brainer because so for us, the experience of um, I'll never forget when I when I heard Liberator for the first first time come back from, from Jens and I was like, oh, my God, this is this is just unbelievable, you know, like he took our mush of sound, like literally it was a mush of sound um, because we had all these things going on all at once um, and he gave everything space. And I know we have a lot of stuff going on in our albums, like we just kind of like chaos, I suppose. But, um, yeah, like just all of these different things happening at once and he's able to give it space. And in that sense you can hear where the drums sit, you can hear where the, you know, where the keys are, you can hear the bass, you can hear the guitars and you can hear the vocals. And they all have a place and they pull back and come to the front when they need to. And I think that is a really awesome sign of a good mix, you know, like it's it's what you want your mixer to do. Hey, like, you know, mix it so that you can hear everything that needs to be heard. And he just gave it this beautiful touch without, I mean, we, we obviously gave him some direction of what, what we wanted here and there, but he went way above and beyond what we ever thought we would get back. And so Liberator was just like we were blown out of the water. We thought he did an amazing job and um, it was a no-brainer for us to go back to him again for the uncovering, um, you know. So, yeah, and again, we're really happy with, with what we got back from him. So, yeah, we just think he's a genius behind the mixing desk. So we're like, hey, we, we'll, do, we'll just keep writing the albums and send them to him because he makes them sound amazing. <laughs> the title of the album, The Uncovering, where does that come from? Uh, it's a lyric. So um, in 
Prisoner. It's a lyric from Prisoner. Um, it, it wasn't – everything was pretty much written before we even titled the album. So it, it wasn't written around that song or that lyric or anything in particular, but it just fits um, as an overall – uh, well, title, I suppose. It, it kind of fits in with a lot of the themes throughout the album. Um, and, yeah, and it just so happened that we could find, we actually went for, looking for a lyric within our music that would suit the um, the title of the album because we didn't have one. So, um, and that we kind of voted, <laughs> I suppose. We put a few names forward and went, what will work? And the uncovering was the one we all liked in the end. So, yeah, that's how it came about. And what about the artwork? Who did it and what was the brief for it? Uh, James Ledger um, did the artwork. Um, The brief for the artwork was a whole heap of collection of images of stuff that we liked. So... um, Jason took the reins on this one um, and showed us all of these images that he collected and um, contacted a few different artists. Jason found James Ledger and said, hey, I really, really like your stuff. Would you consider doing our our artwork? Um, And, yeah, so James, James produced some really awesome stuff and we loved what he produced. Our brief wasn't necessarily like, hey, we want this you know like we kind of we did brief in the sense that we said oh can you add a little bit more green here or we want a little bit more this or you know we want the DA logo somewhere or you know we'd like you know some images in the booklet but we didn't actually give him a specific brief and I like that too because as as the rest of the album is a creative process. I like to give artists or, you know, other creative minds the ability to do their thing. And often if you give people that freedom to to do what they're good at, they'll do it really well. And I think that James, you know, James did an amazing job on the artwork. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't really want to hinder people on what they do and want them to enjoy their creative process as well. So, um, yeah, I think it, it turned out really well and we're really happy with it. So the album's getting really good reviews, obviously, because this is a really good album. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Whose job is it to look for reviews? And is there any nerves coming up to that, that process when they start coming out? Oh, that's nerves. <laughs> Looking for reviews. So um, our label sends us few of through a few of the reviews or – um, some of them I, I don't I think we might miss like some are in magazines and overseas um, but yeah I, I, we we kind of keep an eye out on the on the internet to see if anything's coming up um, but a lot of a lot of people will tag us you know like tag divine ascension if they post it on Facebook or yeah the web Um Luke, Luke's really good at our drummer. Luke, he's really good at um, finding all that kind of stuff, and he'll just kind of post it all on the on the you know group for us to have a look at. Um, in terms of reviews, uh, look, I think 
it's really, really awesome to get people's feedback. Um, I like hearing the good. I like hearing the bad. I like hearing all of it. I want to know honestly what people think. Um, so uh, there's been a bit of a mixture, like there's been good reviews. There's been some negative feedback as well. Um, and I'm happy to take it all on board, you know, like and, and you know, just, again, push forward and improve myself as a musician, as a vocalist, as a songwriter, as a performer, as whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think, though, the most amazing feeling is when you do read a review and, you know, that person just says amazing stuff about every single song. And that's a that's a really nice feeling, you know, like to kind of get that um, gratification, I suppose, from the years of work that you've done putting this album together. But um, what I get really happy reading or is just if someone sends me a message and says, hey, I've been listening to the album for a month, here's the review, like the whole thing that they gave it time, whether they like it or not, um, that they're actually giving the creative mind time, I suppose, um, to, to really hear and, you know, like to really listen and make a decision on, make an educated decision after listening for a, a while um, rather than just maybe listening once and going, meh, not my thing, you know. So, um, yeah, I respect that. I think that's cool. One track that I wanted to kind of get your perspective on was the last track, Vultures. Interesting track, short track, finishes <laughs> off the album.
Talk a little bit about how that came about and what the kind of intention is behind it. Uh, So it's actually um, a middle section from another song um, that's on the album. Um, So it's, well, I don't, it's not, um, it it might not be obvious. It's from New World. Um, So there's the track New World um, in the bridge section that, melody the whoa 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 that's in the that's runs through new world um and in that song new world um i did write vultures in there so uh all of those lyrics and everything well not the second verse but the first verse was in there as part of the new world song and it was too much like the song needed, I do tend to put a lot more in songs than needs to be there. The song needed some breathing space. Um, pulled out the lyrics in the bridge. It what they didn't fit and they didn't work and it wasn't necessary. But as we were going through this process of writing more stuff for the album, vultures just stayed in my head. Like the lyrics that is now vultures were just in my head. I couldn't get it out. Um, I had to actually lay it down to stop it from going round and round my head and being really annoying. So, <laughs> you know those songs that really annoy you that sit in your head for like a week that you can't get rid of and then you have to listen to something else, um, you know, to get that out of your head and then that sticks in your head for a week? Uh, that's what Vultures was like. So it just literally stuck in my head and would not leave me and I could not move forward with anything else until <laughs> until I got it out. So I just I recorded it down very simply and um, threw it as an idea to the guys. And they were like, yeah, this is cool. We could make it work. Um, and then it was Carl that actually um, went to town on the on the cinemascope, I suppose, like the the all the sound effects in the background of the song. It was very, very simple when I gave it to Carl and um, he just created this kind of awesome ambient eerie kind of sound behind what I'd done, um, which was cool. I really, really, um, yeah, it kind of pulled me into a movie scene almost when I heard what he'd done. Um, And in a sense it, um, it ties the album together. Um, it may seem a little bit out of place at the end, um, but, yeah, there is kind of little references in Vultures um, that refer back to other pieces on the album. That's really, really cool. Um, I want to ask you a couple of questions kind of about your backstory because I was reading yeah. the bio on the website. Really, really interesting how you kind of got involved in this particular style of band. So... Start off, uh, sort of in the beginning. When did you start singing? <laughs> um, so start singing. Uh, probably when I was. Uh, I was singing probably when I was about sixteen. Um, I, I was always, you know, when you're a kid, you sing everywhere. But I didn't actually know that I could I could sing until someone told me I could sing. 
Um, so I had a, a music teacher tell me that I could sing. I played instruments um, and, yeah, didn't didn't really sing until, yeah, until late teens. Um, and then I kind of started finding my voice in, yeah, in when I started having singing lessons at 16. So, um, yeah, started training in, in opera um, and I didn't love it. <laughs> Uh, and I said to my, because I actually uh, went to a school where I got a music scholarship, and I said to my um, music coordinator, I don't, I don't want to um, learn opera. I don't want to learn from that teacher because it's very, very, you know, very formal. I, I don't have any freedom to do what I want to do. So I learned opera for yeah about eight months, nine months, or something like that did all the vocal exercises and conconies and all of that stuff and said, no, don't want to do this. So then I moved. Um, I didn't actually move teachers. I stayed with my opera teacher and she um, let she took me through a jazz syllabus um, to do my, uh, you know, year 12. So, um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my backstory, I suppose, with music and with singing. Um like I, I don't regret now working with the opera teacher because she was really, really good and it would have been bad if I actually had have lost her as a teacher but I was a bit of a stubborn teenager and I, <laughs> and I thought I knew what was best but my music teacher actually knew better than I did. <laughs> with actually moving into uh, Divine Ascension, uh, like moving into metal music, um, yeah, I worked as a singer for a little while so um, – I worked as a, a singer and dancer um, on cruise ships and um, in cabaret shows and that kind of stuff around the traps. Uh, started working in a rock band, um, and yeah, I I finished or was doing a composition degree at university um, while I was while I was travelling the world and working as a as a dancer and working as a singer um, and. I kind of wanted to challenge myself um, with orchestration and, and I thought, okay, well, it's one thing doing it at uni, but can I actually do it in the real world? And I thought that was kind of what I was going to do. I was going to start writing music for my career. Um, and so I thought, well, what do I need to do to be able to do that? I need to start working with, um, you know, working with different people and maybe I'll see if I can write in a band situation. And so that's when I found Divine Ascension um, or what is to be, what was to be Divine Ascension. Um, and, yeah, heard some, heard some very cool stuff and was kind of drawn to the music. And it wasn't until I actually met the guys and they gave me some albums that I'd heard European metal music, never heard it before, always was singing like jazz, musical theatre, uh, cabaret stuff, you know, that's my, that was my world. Um, and yeah, absolutely loved it. I think my, one of the first albums I listened to was a Within Temptation album. And I was like, whoa, what is this? This is cool. So yeah, that's, um, the long winded backstory. It's really, really interesting. Cause <laughs> just coming from a <laughs> Like, because the really key thing about a lot of people who enjoy uh, this category of music is they get interested to, in it when they're a teenager, 
and you know usually like 13 14 15 and it becomes their whole world and then they go on through their life but you it sort of struck you much later in life and you've gone on to be uh you know a singer in a, in a, a metal band and really really fascinating what was it that kind of drew you to it um especially having been interested in musical forms which are in a lot of ways quite different from heavy metal um it again yeah it was kind of more so the composition side um i was it was more writing the music that interested me not necessarily performing um because i was getting my kick performing you know in other bands and um getting my stage time traveling and all of that kind of stuff so um being drawn to the metal music was the technicality of the music um and the instrumentation the orchestration the you know polyphonic rhythms all of the really cool stuff that um like absolute music nerd over here like was just I was just loving it I'm like oh wow and now do this um so I just was very interested as to how it all fitted together and the soundscapes that you could create and this wall of sound that was created when even from the start with Divine Ascension it was just like this from the first rehearsals it was this wall of sound it was just unbelievable um and that's it was just something different I suppose and again a challenge um and I started to find my feet um in the genre and you know kind of still kept I, I still like to listen to all different styles of music I'm not just purely um you know like metal 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 all the time I love I love listening to all different kinds of music um but yeah I I think that um metal is an amazing 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 genre um heavily underrated and um yeah it's it's sad that Australia kind of hasn't really found um you know metal as a very popular genre not even not anywhere like what Europe finds it, you know, um, but maybe one day. <laughs> Let's convert Australia. <laughs> we can only hope. <laughs> so what have you been wa- watching, listening to or reading lately? Oh, that's exciting. Um, well, I have been listening to – I got a whole heap of um, metal music which I've um, downloaded and I'm listening to. Um but I'm absolutely loving um, – I think it's – I don't even know if it's pronounced right. Um, Vue, 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 it's a Finnish band. It's like um, – oh, what's it? It's V-U-U-R. I think that's how you say it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I was. I've been listening to them. I've been listening to some Arch Enemy at the moment. Um, Evanescence new album. Um, Delane. Uh, Cobra and the Lotus. Uh, Epica. Uh, yeah, just and just anything really. Also that I come across, like I'll often put on. I'll find a, a band that I really love, and then I'll put on like. Apple Music Radio, and then show me bands that are like this, and just listen through and 
you know, just kind of enjoy lots of different stuff. As opposed to what um, what I listen to when I'm writing, which is pretty much I try and close myself off from all new music. Um, so I don't know. I know that it's probably impossible to not be influenced by other people and to not steal ideas, but I am totally paranoid that I will steal some random line of someone else's song. And so I try and close myself off from new music when I'm when I'm specifically writing melodies um, so that I don't copy melodies by not even knowing that I'm doing it. But in this phase now when I'm just having a bit of a break from writing, I'm listening to as much as I can. And I am listening to a lot of metal music at the moment. Um but, yeah, I'll have my days where I'll just kind of move to something else. But I love discovering new stuff. I think that's really, really amazing when you find something really cool that you love. Um, reading, not really reading much at the moment. I'm just crashing, falling asleep. My life's too busy. <laughs> and I just want to finish off. Do you guys have any plans for any shows in the future? Uh, yeah, we do, actually um but nothing's set in stone so i can't say to you hey come along to this gig on this day um so plans are let's try and get around to as many places in australia that we can um would love to you know kind of do a little bit of a mini tour uh where that takes us in australia not 100 percent sure um it will depend on money um, and how much it's going to cost to get everywhere. Um, it's often quite expensive to tour. Um, and what's going on as well around the time of when we're actually able to tour. Um, a few of the guys in the band, uh, well, few, well, two of the guys in the band are school teachers. So, um, you know, it, it can be quite hard when you're trying to tour and juggle full-time jobs. You don't um, you don't want to lose your job essentially because you don't want to um, yeah you, you need something to come back to for financial purposes because um, you don't make a fortune when you travel and tour you, you often put the money back into the band for more recording more traveling more touring so to pay the mortgage and to support the family and to do all of these things that need to be done um, we all have jobs so. Um, it will depend on timing, what other bands are playing at that time. We don't want to rain on anyone else's parade, you know. And, um, yeah, so hopefully 2019 will bring us uh, around Australia and somewhere overseas. Who knows where yet? Let's throw the cards up in the air and see what comes back at us.
That was Evermore by Divine Ascension from their new album, The Uncovering. Before that, we heard Vultures, and the first track during the interview was Pursuit of Desire. Thanks again to Jen for talking to me. Really, really interesting chat, um, particularly the end section. I, I find that fascinating because, especially for me, someone who is one of those heavy metal loyalists who's always basically been the genre, I have other interests, as I think I've sort of demonstrated with some of the other bands I've interviewed, like uh, Bear the Mammoth, like Lage. But, you know, it's I'm a heavy metal lifer, and to have someone who with a different perspective come into it, particularly her interest in composition, that's fascinating, because, you know, not being a very good musician and not focusing on those aspects as much, just more being a fan, just somewhere in my gut. It's interesting to hear someone talk about it like that. I'm not sure whether I'm going to have another interview later this week, but if I don't, I might release my Lords of Chaos rant. (laughs) I'll eventually edit down to something a little bit more powerful. But I hope you join me later regardless. If you've got any questions, comments, send me an email, australianhunger at gmail.com, or hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I monitor all those. Any bands, let me know. I'm happy to consider an interview. Thanks so much for joining me. Bye. One thing, just before I let you go, uh, Jason's beard, very impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let him, let him know. I'll tell him you said that, like, he'll, yeah. Oh, no, I'll tell him you, I'll tell him he has to listen to the podcast <laughs> because there's been something that's been said about his beard. <laughs>